Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show. I'm your host, George Ellick, and this is a preview of the St. Ledger Day at uh, Doncaster. Saturday's racing at Donny is the preview uh, for this show, and I'm delighted to be joined by Odds Checker's very own Andy Holding, and the man who often fills in for me when I'm sunning myself on holiday, uh, Danny Archer. Uh, Danny, great to have you on today. Uh, how are you getting on? Yeah, good, thank you, George. Yeah, it's nice to, uh, nice to be working with you instead of being your substitute for once. <laughs> Exactly. Well, you're de- definitely much better at the tipping side of things than, than me. Uh, I, I put forward about two horses a year and they normally finish at the back of the TV. Um, Andy, uh, great to have you back as well. Um, I guess uh, before we get into the racing, you know, we're recording this uh, just before racing starts on Thursday, uh, about quarter past uh, 12 on Thursday. Uh, what are we expecting so far in terms of, of the weather come Saturday? Well, I hope we don't get a repeat of what we had last week at Tado. And I think probably only about one of my... Uh selections in the end ended up running because of all the non-runners um, due to the very fast ground, but that's not going to be the case at Doncaster. Um, intermittent showers, I think, up until Saturday. I think Saturday's going to be the only clear day of the week, which is great for the race goes. But I think between now and then, um, we're going to get um, you know various quantities of rain. I don't think it's going to go too bad. I think the worst it'll get is good to soft. It drains really well. Um, and on the evidence of the first day, just a, a pretty good surface for all. Um, so, if you're a true, true Sham fan, which many are, um, you get to see the uh, Alan King's charge run on Friday by the looks of it. Fingers crossed. True Sham finally getting uh, that rain uh, after a, a difficult season. Um, let's get into the racing. The way this is going to work, you know, we're recording this just after final decks um, on, on for Saturday. So, we, the, the first, the maiden on Saturday, and, and the, the penultimate race and the last race haven't got prices. So, we'll look at those. We'll be focusing on the on the four races in the middle, including, of course, the St. Ledger. And then I'll, I'll put, because this will go out on Thursday, I'll put it to you guys to, to tip up any uh, tips on Friday for, as a bit of an Easter egg for those who are listening to this as soon as it comes out on, on Thursday afternoon uh, or Friday morning. Uh, before we get into the racing, just going to, as ever, push point the push rather than point um, the, the listeners and the viewers in the direction of the, the odds checker app where you can get the best prices. Uh, bookie offers free bets, place terms, and the best tipsters in the game uh, tipping their tips straight to the app as well, including Andy every morning of racing. So do go and download the app. Uh, we'll start with the opener, the 115 on Saturday, the maiden over a mile. As I say, no um, prices here as it stands at the moment, but we've got some some interesting runners uh, from from big from big yards. We've got a Balding, uh, a, a Johnson, and a a Gosden um, runner who, who are both making their all making their second starts here amongst some, some newcomers as well. And yeah, the speed figures uh, from those so far uh, to take to take a look at. Nothing really, no, nothing too exciting in the first race. Probably um, back this one straight back, really, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, Galantic Jack, probably the most promising of the ones that have had a run. Uh, but you just don't know what, what you're up against here. I mean, as you say, we've got some nicely bred uh, first time individuals to. Factor into the equation that the market obviously uh, tell us where we stand with, but um, yeah, Galantic Jack, he ran a nice race beyond us called the Parents at uh, Goodwood. Um, that was just an okay race of the track, but I like the way he kept on quite nicely late on. Um, certainly wasn't knocked about. And Andrew Baldwin's horses wouldn't be winning too many races first time out. They're certainly <clears> juveniles anyway, they tend to come on for the run. So if held to selection, he'd probably be it, but um, yeah, I'll have much, much stronger opinions in that first race. Yeah, as you say, Baldwin's often coming on for their for their first run. Um, Danny, anything you like in the first, or should we move on to the second? 
Masai Mara is interesting, I guess. Local dynasty, the winner uh, at Newmarket, since one's finished fifth in the Aiken behind Chaldean, who also runs. But I think the most interesting has been Masai Mara. He's obviously one of the crop of Roaring Lion. Obviously, Roaring Lion, I think, mm. passed away more than three years ago now. But he's only got that first season crop, and they've actually done quite well. So I think he'd be an interesting one to look at. And obviously, as Andy's mentioned, Galactic Jack's quite interesting because uh, he's out of uh, Jack Naylor, who's an Irish Oak second. So the ground shouldn't be a problem, I think, if it came up as soft as well. Interesting stuff. Uh, we'll move on to the, the first race we can cover in earnest uh, with prices, and that is the Portland Handicap, um, where we've got... Uh, when the deal is done, this is the five to one favourite ahead of Makana at seven to one, Chipstead eight to one, Bergerac twelve, alongside Dakota Gold, Burning Cash fourteen to one, Laquinto uh, Intrinsic Bond, uh, Count Dorsey, uh, all sixteen to one. Bar those, uh, Andy, we'll start with you here. Who do you, who do you fancy? Yeah, I'm, I've always been a, a little bit of a fan of this when the dealing's done. The, the day when he won at Doncaster, uh, not uh, Doncaster, at uh, Goodwood last year, uh, and he beat Twilight Falls. Mm. I thought Twilight Falls was a good thing that day. Um, I wanted to get with uh, Henry Candy's horse before everybody else cottoned on to him. And I was a little bit disappointed with Twilight Falls. I think he finished second or third. Um, and he got readily brushed aside by Roger Teal's uh, horse. And I thought, God, that must be a fair animal to do that to that Twilight Falls. And as what we've seen with Henry Candy's horse, now he's a genuine group two stroke group one horse. When the dealings done is not quite in that category yet, admittedly, but... He's certainly going the right way. And when he gets his conditions, i.e. a very, very strongly run five uh, furlongs, he's a pretty good horse, as we saw last weekend at uh, Ascot. Absolutely hit the ball out of the park. Not only visually, but on the clock as well. It's a really fast time. Um, and he bids to go several places better than he did in this race uh, last year when he was only fifth. I say only fifth. It was a good run, particularly considering he was a three-year-old against the older horses. He's now had another year to mature. Whether he quite... Gets sort of five and a half, six. He's open to question whether he's an absolute out and out five furlongs. I don't know. Uh, we haven't got enough um, evidence um, or sample size to suggest that. But the way he hit line the other day at Ascot, I mean, he wasn't stopping over that five. So, in fact, he was eased down late on and he still uh, knocked out a big number. He's drawn 20. Again, we don't know about the draw, whether you need to be down the middle or near side. But uh, I think he's the most talented horse in the field. So, I certainly won't want to be opposing um, when the dealing's done in a rush. When the deal is done, five to one, as I say, and Skybet go a fifth to seven, so seven places they're paying uh, five to one. So if you want to be a bit of a, an each way thief, uh, maybe one of the each way multiples as well, that could be a way to go. He'll, uh, he'll, he'll definitely be in the first seven. There you go. Uh, there you have it. <laughs> uh, Danny, no doubt about that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think Andy makes a good case for the dealings done. I think he should go on. I've got to say, for me, though, I'm a big fan of Mackinac for Julie Camacho. I mean, if you look at the run last time out at York, over five and a half, he met all sorts of trouble. He was stuck on the run under Paul Hannigan. Paul couldn't get him out, and then the race was all over by the time he finally got a bit of breathing space. But he was a big eye-catcher for me. So I think Mackinac's got to go into, uh, go into the notebook. And one at a massive price. Here I've been following all year, but it just hasn't worked out. He was so impressive on debut at York last year, and then he finished third to perfect power in the Norfolk, is Project Anti. I don't know whether just being a three-year-old sprinter, he needs another year on his back, but this horse is so much better than he has showed this year. I don't know what's gone on. He's had wind surgery, a gelding operation. It was a bit more like it at York last time out, and he will win a big one at some point. But if I don't mention him, George, he would win. So I've got to mention him <laughs> just in case. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, I was going to say, we can't just put up the top two in the market. Makana, 7-1, to one, and then he did well, went right down to the bottom. Uh, Project Dante, 33-1 to one with pretty much every firm. As I mentioned, uh, Skybet paying 
seven places. You've got others uh, going out, Boyles, six places, Hills, six places as well. So uh, plenty of place terms on offer, and I'm sure that will continue going into Saturday as well. Three there against the field in the Portland handicap. Uh, on then to the 420, the Champagne Stakes and uh, an open affair um, in the race before, a, a trappy three horse uh, race this one silver knot is the 10 to 11 favorite ahead of chaldean who danny you've already mentioned at nine to four um and indestructible nine to two uh back the outside of three always the way isn't it danny or uh or, or who do you fancy here well that's what i was going to say george yeah they would use to say that <laughs> i mean the problem i guess with this race for punters is chaldean and indestructible have already met uh you know any mm. half between them in the acom stakes i think chaldean was quite game on that occasion and probably uh, better than the bear margin suggests. I would probably have it between Silvernot and Chaldean. I think Indestructible's got to make up a bit of ground. Silvernot did it nicely uh, in the Solario. I did think he was a little bit still immature and green. I think, you know, he was getting better the further he went. So he's definitely interesting for next year. But maybe at the prices, just as he's 10 to 11, I'd probably go with Chaldean just because he's a bit more value. But, you know, the free runners in a champagne is quite disappointing. So it wouldn't be something I'd be too keen on getting involved in. Uh, nine to four, Chaldean. Uh, tentative, I, reckon, I guess, selection there from from Danny. Uh, Andy, how do you see this? Yeah, I, I think this is going to be just a, a messy tactical affair. And I think uh, jockey tactics and how it pans out is going to be more of the key factor to determine the winner than anything else. Because I, I don't think there's a huge amount of difference between these two ability while Chaldean and, and Silver Knot. Um, they're both clocked virtually identical times. Chaldean, 91 in the Acom and Silvernot, I think it was an 89 or a 90 in the Solario. But the one thing that Silvernot's got going for him that perhaps Chaldean hasn't is the fact that he's made all the running. That was two runs ago. So I think I think this race is going to become down to a horse who can quicken off the front or quicken the best. He might just be in the best place to take advantage of that if... Of course, William Buick reads the script and thinks, well, nothing else wants to go on. I'll, I'll, I'll do the donkey work. It's, it's been a kind race as well for Charlie Appleby. He's won it without strip and uh, emotionless. So it's a race where he's got a little bit of previous. Um, do like Chaldine. Uh, agree with Dan. I think he's a lovely horse going forward. He showed really admirable qualities to win the Acom when he got headed by um, indestructible, of course, rear poses. Uh, so a tightly knit affair. Uh, nasty one from a betting perspective, not knowing the tactics, but... Uh, I think if you're an in-running merchant and you see Silver not in front um, in the first couple of furlongs, then he's probably one to press upon. I think Andy makes a good point there, George, but he, he's a bit keen, Chaldine. So if Silver not settles mm. and can quicken off the front, he could just ruin the, you know, ruin the race in, in effect for Chaldine. Interesting. Although probably, my only, think... probably my only good point I'll make on this. Uh, <laughs> on this I don't know what price. I don't know what price you'll be taking if someone not gets forward and Charlie takes a pull. Though surely you'll be, you know, that you wouldn't have thought people would would, would miss it. But uh, either way, Charlie nine to four um, for but Silver not seemingly uh, maybe uh, the uh, the rightful favourite at the very very least. Uh, onto the, the Kazoo Park Stakes over seven furlongs to two fifty five. Kinross, uh, seven or four favourite ahead of Garris at five to one uh, and Sacred at six to one. Alsa Hale, eight to one. Jumbie, 10 to one. Double or Bubble, 10 to one. Uh, New Energy, 14s. Misty Grey, 20 to one. Uh, the Wizard of Eye, 33 to one. Nine runners here, so you're getting your three places as it stands. Although do remember that if uh, post-final decks, if a couple do come out and, and we suddenly have seven or six, then you will lose one of your places here. Uh, Andy, uh, Kinross, the, the seven or four fab for you looking to, to get with the repose. Yeah, he's become a real specialist of this trip. I've almost kind of like lost track of how many 
good seven furlong races that, that there are in the calendar. Certainly of late, we had, of course we had the Lennox Stakes, didn't we at Goodwood, which is the the real definitive guide to um, that specialist trip throughout the rest of the season. Um, we then of course had the um, the City of York Stakes at York, which Kinross took. Um, we've got this race, and and then there's uh, the Hungerford Stakes, of course, um, uh, which um, took place prior prior to those as well. Um, so there's plenty of form lines and strands to draw together off those respective um, contests. And I think King Ross probably comes out the, the pick of the bunch, doesn't he? He probably should have won the Lennox. He didn't get the clearest to runs up the inside. And one of those races that slipped through the grasp of Frankie. But he made amends last time out in a similar race at York, beating the same kind of horses. He was really good that day. And I think that's the key to him. I think he's better on a track where there's more wide open space and it pays to come off the gallop, whereas sometimes Goodwood... Horses can get away from him down that down the hill, and um, there is a bit of a bias to, uh, attached to Goodwood, as we all know. Whereas hold-up horses with a turn of foot um, that come off the gallop are often suited by Doncaster. The beauty about Kim Ross as well, he's, he's won at the track before as well, so um, you know he's got that on his CV, um, which has got to be worth bearing in mind. So there's a lot there's lots going for Kim Ross. I think he, he's a, he's a big player. I think from an East Way perspective, maybe Double or Bubbles, another one. To <laughs> Um, she, on her day, she's very good. She is an out and out seven furlong horse. They have tried her at six, but I do think this distance is definitely best for her. Um, thought she did really well to win on rain, soft, and ground the other day at Goodwood. Similar conditions to what she might face on Saturday. Um, you know, she beat a good guard in on on that occasion as well. There was an Andrew Borden horse, um, happy, oh, I can't remember his name now, happy something, happy guest or something <laughs> that finished third and that ran well in the Lennox. So, you know. On a on line through that horse, she's uh, she's not a million miles away. The King Ross is in this world, so I think King Ross is the right favourite. And wouldn't surprise me if he went and won. Uh, but if you if you had a gun to my head, I'd have a bet at the prices. Um, I'd always look to put something up each way, and double a bubble fits that category. Double a bubble, ten to one uh, with Skybet, Paddies, and Betfair Sportsbook. King Ross seven to four, pretty much across the board on the odds checker grids. Andy, I'll never hold a gun to your head and, and force you to have a bet. I can promise you that. Uh, Danny, as long as it's a water pistol, then uh, that'd be fun. A super soaker. Uh, Danny, uh, how do you see this? Yeah, sorry, George, a bit boring here. I'm not, I haven't been that overwhelmed with the seven furlong uh, horses this year. I think the Lennox Sandrine won it quite nicely, but I thought the Kim Ross race starting out at York, I just think they're kind of meeting each other. They're like two old, two old warriors or a lot of old warriors in a wrestling ring who just keep meeting and you get the odd different result. But Kim Ross at the end of the day is usually the one who comes out on top. So I think he's pretty tough to beat based on the form and the figures so far. But like Andy, Double or Bubble did well to win from an uncompromising position. I thought at Goodwood last time out. The ground as well didn't massively suit. And I think over this seven furlong, she still can prove better. Um, Garris, I'm not sure about the trip. Alsa Hale is a, a bit of an utter. Jumby needs to improve a bit more. Sacred has been, I know Andy lo- loved Sacred, you know, a couple of pods ago, but been so disappointing this year. So I think Kim Ross is the most solid one, but Double or Bubble at a bigger price to chase him home. Lovely stuff. You both agree. Uh, Kinross, the likely winner. Double or bubble, the one to take if you're looking for any triangle. Uh, that's who's, who's that with, George? Who's that 10 to 1 with? That, that strikes me as being way bigger than I thought. That is with Skybet and Paddy's and Betfair Sportsbook. Hmm. Get, get, yeah. get on the phone. But much bigger than, yeah, much bigger than I anticipated. I've just got a price guide in front of me here and she looked about a, a 13 to 2 shot on that. So, yeah, 10 mm. to 1. Much bigger than I thought. There you go. Uh, get on, guys, because Andy's Andy's going to make that go all blue fairly soon. <laughs> so take the, <laughs> yeah. take the 10 to 1 when you can. Um, on then to the big race of the day, the big race of the 
of the weekend, um, the big race, well, in the UK of the month, um, or oh, it is of the month as well. Uh, the, the St. Ledger uh, Stakes, of course, the St. Ledger. And New London is one of the, the shortest priced St. Ledger favourites we've seen uh, for a long time. Even money, uh, but odds on with most firms, even money. Skybet and William Hill sticking their necks out there. Uh, Eldar, Elderov, uh, so impressive, of course, at Royal Ascot and, and uh, an unlikely winner in running, just getting up uh, five to one, second favourite. Uh, Hu, Hu Yamal, uh, 13 to two. Haskoy, seven to one. French Claim, 14 to one. Emily Dickinson, 20 to one. Uh, Gian Valletto, uh, 25s. El Habib, 100 to one. And Lizzie Jean, 200 to one. Now, Andy, before we get into the preview, I mean, this, I think if you'd showed me this market, um, six weeks ago for the St. Ledger. Uh, I think we'd have all been fairly disappointed. A, a few big guns not really showing up here. Um, what do you make of, of the renewal? Um, yeah, I mean, it hasn't got a great deal of strength in depth. So I'd, 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 I'd agree to that. But I do think it's a good betting, hey? Um, again, the lads in the old chicken um, offices got me to preview a race um, at Doncaster, and I just thought, well, I might as well logically pick the St. Ledger um, just over a week ago. and. Um, I went with Julia Mal um, as a standout bet, I thought, at the time, around about 8-1. to one. He's not that much bigger, they're shorter now, but uh, I still think he's value at that price, 13-2. to two. And now we know mm-hmm. the full field, what the ground's going to be like. Um, it's hard to see Julia Mal not finishing in the frame here. Um, I was really, really impressed with his victory last time out. I know he, he only beat Perfect Myth, but Perfect Myth is a, is a useful filler. Oh, Dalibai. So we beg your pardon, perfect alibi, yeah. Um, who'd um, obviously proven himself in patent company prior to that at Newbury. So he wasn't beating any back number, and he, he made it look a little bit pedestrian late on. He was off a good gallop as well. They went a really good pace. Perfect alibi as a front runner made sure that there was no hiding place. And Pooh Mal just breezed by her, quickened away, one head and chest. I thought that was a really good effort. Yes, he's got to find, of course, a little bit with um, New London on uh, their previous performance in the Gordon Sakes. But uh, the ground was good to firm that day, and that's very much the surface that New London requires or prefers. Uh, his only disappointment in his life came at Chester. Now, admittedly, he probably wasn't quite the horse he is now. That was only his second start of the season. And he has improved immeasurably since, winning at Newmarket. Then, of course, at Goodwood on fast ground. But if there is ease in the ground, there's likely to be with the showers around. It's not exactly in his ballpark, whereas Huyamal will relish the conditions. He won on good to soft last time out, so that's not a problem for him. Um, I mean, all in all, I think, you know, that, that's the key form line, isn't it, that Gordon Stakes? The very, very fast time. Deauville legends frank the form subsequently the second. Um, Jack Darcy, the fourth horse, ran, went, uh, just got beat by a nice horse out in France. Crested won at Windsor next time out. Even West, uh, West Wind Blows did everything wrong the other day. Uh, over in Longchamp, and that still managed to win. That, that is the key angle to the race. The win will, I think the win will, for the St. Ledger will come from either New London or who who Yamal. Um, I'm not even factoring in anything else. But at the prices, given the ground, he's definitely going to be more in favour of who Yamal. And, of course, he's proven another trip as well. He's already proven that he's mm-hmm. won over a mile six, whereas New London hasn't. He's definitely the bet for me. He's a really strong choice at that price. Huyamal, 13 to 2, uh, best price with Paddy's Bet Best Sportsbook and Bet Victor, the strong each way selection ahead uh, against New London there for Andy. Uh, Danny, what do you make of, of the New London price before we get your selection? Or maybe New London, even money is your, your, your bet for the, for the race? 
it is a bit boring, but I mean, you know, I think that coming into the year, they thought he was their, you know, their three-year-old superstar, Derby, Ledger, everything. And obviously, he blotted the copybook a little bit at Chester. I guess you could argue changing of the guard, Frank the form, you know, to an extent, obviously fifth in the Derby, but then one at Royal Ascot, hasn't been seen since. I I just think he's getting better as he goes up in trip. He was impressive at Newmarket and the Goodwood. I just think he he's a bit relentless, like Ku Yamal. And I just think Andy says about the soft ground. He he won on his debut on soft ground. I don't think he was ultimately in love with the ground, but he did really keep on quite strongly. And I just think it's interesting that Godolphin had quite a few in it at deck stage. And in the end, they mm. decided to just rely on him. So I, I think Elder Alderov blotted the copybook in France. I think he's tough yeah. to fancy now after that. So I think Hu Yenamal is the interesting one, as Andy says, because um, Ryan Moore after the race, Ryan Moore dropped his whip. So I think they were saying he said if he if he'd had his whip he would have finished a lot cl- lot closer to New London. So I think he's the interesting one at a price. But I'd be with New London, and I have to mention just obviously he's got a great record in the race. But Emily Dickinson is a bit of a rogue in terms of how she how she runs. She she takes a long while to get going, but her last two runs she probably could have won at Goodwood last time out in the Lily Langtree. But she took an age to get together. But looks like she's absolutely crying out for this trip. So I think her and the other thing. The other Philly Hascoy have to have a mention, but it would be New London for me and maybe at a bigger price, Emily Dickinson running into a place. New London, even money with Skybet and Hills uh, going to justify the, the short price there for Danny, but also a bigger price fancy as well. Emily Dickinson, uh, Ladbrokes are 20 to 1, speckles of blue on odds checker. So you're not the only one who thinks that Emily Dickinson could be the joker in the pack. Um, that is our St. Ledger preview. We've got a couple more races on the card. We've got the uh, mile handicap. Uh, the penultimate race, and then also um, the uh, Rugby League World Cup in Doncaster handicap, which is an interesting name uh, for, for the final race on the card. Uh, no prices there. Uh, Daniel, I'll come to you first. Anything in those last couple of uh, races to keep an eye on? I wouldn't be too keen on having a go, but I think Tyrrhenian C in that uh, in the 405 is an interesting one. One of the most beautiful horses, if you, if you ever get to look at him. He's a phenomenal looker. Uh, he shaped OK at York last time out. I don't think he's gone on as much as the variant stable had hoped, but I'd probably give him a nod. And also Symbolize, who was arguably disappointing to get beat at first last time out, but I don't think he liked running in a free runner race and could be more at ease back in a big field handicap. But nothing I'm too keen on the rest of Saturday. Andy? Yeah, I'd have to go along with Danny with Tyrrhenian C um, and flag up that race that he finished third in last time at York. That was the best handicap run so far this season on our time figures. Uh, an extraordinary n- number knocked out by uh, Blue for you. Um, David Amaro's also uh, beat his stable companion Escobar. And probably the benchmark for all my handicaps so far this season in Orban. Of course, winner of the Goodwood Mile and placed in various big handicaps so far this season. Um, but I like Tyrrhenian C running that race. Uh, wasn't good enough in the day. Had, had every chance, but got beat fair and square. But even getting beaten a couple of lengths by the winner, I think that's still good enough to be uh, considering him a factor, major factor in that 405. And in the final race, also, I know quite well, Farhan. Um, I own the horse that beat him, El Partley. I own the horse that beat him at Chester last year. Um, and he's gone on the course to win the November handicap and more significantly at Doncaster. Uh, so we know he's proven over the course and distance with a little bit of ease in the ground. And he managed to win at York last time out on ground that not necessarily would have suited. It was good to firm. Um, so considering that he, he he managed to book the trend of his normal profile last time out, then uh, back on his ideal autumn <laughs> conditions, um, there's no reason why he won't go on. I like the jockey booking of Ryan Sexton as well. Uh, just to 
help him along uh, with that burden of 10 stone. So, so far and in the last. Uh, because this has been recorded on Thursday, just for those who are jumping on it uh, nice and early, uh, I will rather than going through all the races on Friday um, because this will age and date very quickly. And um, just Lee, throw it out to you guys. Anything that the people should be looking out for on Friday? Andy, I'll come to you first. Um, got a healthy amount of respect for Trillium in the uh, Flying Childer. Um, she's up against Platinum Queen, who's a real trailblazer and ran an unbelievable race in the in the um, the Nunthorpe itself, finishing second, of course, uh, which is a sterling effort for a two-year-old, albeit they do get the weight for age. So um, you know, some could argue that that was an expected run, if you like. But um, I thought Trillium was really, really impressive last time out. Beat George Scott's um, up till then best horse, uh, one of the best UK horses ever, five furlongs, um, in the shape of Rocket um, Rocket Rodney. Um, and I think that's a real strong piece of form. I love the way she powered through that day. She hit the line really well. Um, I think this race will be run to suit as well because I, I just like horses just coming off the speed that Doncaster wears. The Platinum Queen trying to trailblaze. It's difficult, as we saw with King of Stars yesterday. To try and make all the running at Donny's really difficult. It tends to get picked off, picked off late on. So I imagine Pat Dobbs will have a, um, a target on the back of Voshin or on, on the Platinum Queen and follow her through, and hopefully she'll come through strong in the end. And as we mentioned at the top of the show as well, I'll be really, really keen uh, to see Trushan tomorrow. I actually think that if you can get so 8 to 15, 4 to 7 for him, that is a really, really good bet because he is an absolute monster when he's got soft ground in his favour. Um, there's nothing better than him in that category. And if the second favourite, Coltrane, is the, is the sort of... Um, the benchmark of the opposition. We saw how far he got beat at York. So he's going to come back. He's having to come back off the canvas again and beating about 15 lengths by Quickthorn. So that is very much true, Shan's race to, to, to lose. And of course, he beat Coltrane readily at Goodwood on ground that probably wouldn't have suited him. So, so I think four to seven, eight to 15 for him. I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't normally advocate an odds on favourite, but I, 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 think, I think he should be three on. I think he's a very, very well, he's a very talented horse to really know. Could well be early soon, uh, you'd think. A bit of two to five round now, but eight to 15 with Bet Victor um, is the, the best price out there at the moment. All that four to seven gone. And as you say, Trillium, two to one best price at 235 on Friday. Um, that is with Coral. Danny, before we let you go, let you go, anything for you on, on Friday? Yeah, in the Mallard, I, I quite like the first race of the day, too, probably against the field for me there. Going Gone is trained just down the road from me by uh, by Jim Ball. But he's been an interesting sort, really. He's improved all season. I mean, he caught the eye for me, particularly when he was fourth in the Ascot handicap at the Raw meeting. Arguably disappointed at Newbury on his penultimate start, but the ground was a bit quicker there. And if ground conditions are a bit softer, he's a really strong stayer, as he showed in the Shergar Cup. So him and also Wise Eagle, who's kind of turned a corner recently for the Nickel Yard. He's won back-to-back races, now up to a career high mark of 94, but there's another who should be suited by the ground. So probably those two in that. And maybe Velosa and Mitros on fire later on the card. They both run in the 345 Belosa has been disappointing so far this year, but I think is another one to note going forward. Should really be improving. I think has now had a wind surgery and, you know, is better than it showed so far. But um, my big fancy of the weekend, George, actually is at Leopard's Tat on at the Curra on Sunday. Here we go. This is what we want. For Dermot World uh, in the Moy Glare. She's called Tahira. 
She's only run once, but she was so impressive at Galway, one by five and a half lengths. She travelled like a dream. It was her first start and she powered clear. The second's won since. Most interesting thing, she's a half-sister to Tanawa, who, of course, is a Breeders' Cup winner and a French Group 1 winner. And she takes on uh, the Moigef favourite, which is Meditate. But Meditate won over seven last time out, but I didn't think she was actually as good over seven as she is over six. Tahira is only going to get better. So I think at seven to two, she is a standout price to win the Moyglare for the Master of Rosewell House. There you go. Four to one best price there in with William Hill uh, in the Moyglare over in Ireland is the best bet of the weekend for Danny. Uh, there we go. Doing Donny and the Moyglare in the same pod. You wouldn't get that anywhere else. Maybe you would. I'm not sure. Um, cheers, guys. Cheers to Danny and to Andy for sharing their thoughts and their tips and their insight ahead of Saturday's racing. Uh, surely some, uh, some good value in there. I've got absolutely no doubt do download the Odds Checker app for the very best prices, as we've discussed today, uh, place terms, free bets, uh, and everything else you need, including some of the best tipsters in the game, including Andy, straight to the app every day of racing. Uh, please do enjoy the racing. As is always the case, please do follow these tips responsibly and do bet within your means. Uh, hopefully it'll be a great weekend of racing ahead. And join us again next week as we'll look ahead to the weekend's racing ahead.